HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Two percent, two percent, two percent. Uh, the two percent's right over here. Oh, hey, Jenna. I didn't know you shopped here. Uh, yeah, anything to support local food, know what I mean? I definitely do. Though that's not the only thing you do in the name of Good Eats, obviously. Well, true. I also host Eating Matters every Wednesday at 5 p.m. where we talk about food policy and how it impacts all of us. Be sure to tune in. All right, gotta get the plug in there, I get it. Yep, I'm hashtag shameless. You know what else you can do to support the local food community, right? Well, yeah. Make a donation to Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. That's right. And I gotta call you out on the whole local thing. What do you mean? Well, The Farm Report, A Taste of the Past, Japan Eats. Those are shows that take you around the country and the world. I'll give you that. So how can listeners give their support? It's pretty easy. Just go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the big red heart in the top right corner. It's pretty easy from there. Thanks. Today's program is brought to you by Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing, taking place on Saturday, June 18th at Nettle Meadow Farm. For more information, visit nettlemeadowcheeseandspirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, meadowcheeseandspirits.com. Hello, everybody. This is Jerobi from A Tribe Called Quest slash Eats Rhymes in Life. And you're here listening to Heritage Radio Network. We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. We are sitting in the dining area of Mariscos Jaliscos with Bill Esparza, James Beard award-winning writer. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thanks, Darren. Great to be here. Thank you. That's really, that's it, right? With all the titles. Yeah. That's the one that you lead with. Um, I gotta say, banner year for you. James Beard Award. Congratulations. Thank you. Announcement of your first book. Fourth year of Tacolandia, which we're going to be talking about later. Yeah, the but, big, biggest ever. But that's, I mean, that's awesome. It's been a good year. Um, it's not over yet. No, I mean, we're not even halfway through. <laughs> um, so let's go back to the beginning. Love of food, lifelong L.A. Uh, where, what, have you, what do you love about L.A. and the Latin American cuisine here and like, that you essentially become the champion of? Well, I mean, for what I like to do and what I like to write about and uh, what I like to eat, Los Angeles is the place to be. Mm, this is course. the epicenter of you know, Mexican, Latin American cuisine. And, uh, not all Latin American cuisines, but uh, we, we have some shortages here and there. But it's really the epicenter of Mexican food in the United States. Yeah, I mean, moving recently from New York, um, while I do miss the pizza, I did find some good bagels out here and some passable pizza. Mexican food always came up short, and so living out here, actually, Marisco's was one of the first places I went to, and I went, okay, part of, part of my culinary-ness is, is home. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. When I go to New York, I'm looking for pizza and bagels myself, not tacos. <laughs> no, of course. Um, so when did you start becoming this champion of the Latin American cuisine? How did you start to... Because, you know, really, like, everyone's sort of known about L.A. cuisine and sort of the smaller ethnic pockets, and in the last few years it's grown to a more global recognition of, it, of its proudness. But when did you start picking up that mantle? Well, I kind of... I mean, I started around 2007 sure. with my blog. And I had already... Your, say your blog. Yeah, Street Gourmet LA. Fantastic Which blog. is, you know, I'm not so active on there these days. I mean, you grow, but you started there. <laughs> yeah, I did start there. Um, and mm. I was also on uh, Chowhound, mm. uh, which I'll... Oh, good, goodness. Goodness. Let's not go back there. Wow, you just brought me back. I just had to take a moment there because I just went back to some Chowhound yeah. days. That's that like middle school. You don't go back to visit. That used to be... If I was going somewhere, first stop for research, Chowhound. Now, not so much. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I, I got off there quite a while. Ago, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, I was tra- I was traveling as a musician. Sure. And that's how I learned a lot about this food. I mean, I went all over Mexico. At this point, I know twenty eight states. And I mean, not just not just I've stopped there. I mean, I went like, there. No, went there multiple times, wow. multiple cities. And so I got to do that touring with um, the singer Maricela. Oh, yeah. And then I also worked in, you know, I did some stuff in, in South America, Central America. So I was getting to know all these cuisines, mm-hmm. and I was looking for places to eat, and I was finding them. I was like, wow, we have this in Los Angeles. That's awesome, you know? So you were, like, going out, experiencing, and coming home being like, oh, wow, I didn't know that this was here. I didn't even know to look for this cuisine. Yeah, I just come back from Honduras, and I'm like, I want to have some Honduran food, and I would... I would find places like, wow. And, and, of course, I would try to find the best ones. And because, you know, I was having a great reference for that food, because being there, I was looking for the ones that were closest to the food that I had while I was there. Now, so many times you go out on the road and you have this amazing bite of food in this magical part of the world. And then you come back and you find that your city has one restaurant. Right. Sort of does it. But then it doesn't live up to it. What were you finding when you were coming home and that L.A. had to offer? Well, I was finding, you know, that, I mean, especially after being in places like Mexico City where I've, mm-hmm. I've been so many times, is that the, the, the variety that we have here is so, it's, it's such a broad um, view of Mexican cuisine, you know, more than even Mexico City. Mexico sure. City has better street food. It has better, I mean, way better high-end uh, cooking and mid-level and all these t- I mean, and so much volume but it doesn't have things like from Nayarit you can't get Nayarit style seafood you can't get stuff like these tacos here at Marisco Jalisco you know yeah I mean this this is the type of place and I'm, there's dozens if not hundreds over the city that you'd be lucky to have to in any town in any part of the world yeah and we have places that really live up to their 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 best version in Mexico you know now listen I know asking you to pick favorites is like saying which child is your favorite but for those who would want a, a cross-section of restaurants when they come into LA and they have a weekend what would you recommend well yeah you're right I don't have favorites I'm, I'm I, I love so many of these places Marisco's Jalisco is a place that I come to a lot um, also Connie Seafood mm-hmm. is a place I go to I love Gorilla Tacos you know oh, yeah. especially they sit up on Thursday nights not too far from me 
and there's a there's a wine bar that they set up at, and so I'm at the wine bar, and I'm having at Silver Lake. Yeah, exactly. Silver Lake wine, tacos and wine. It, exactly. It's, that's that's my lifestyle. Yeah, it's beautiful. Shout out to those guys. Those guys are great. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of places. There's a place I go to. That's that's a house in, in East LA that they have birria. You know, I go there quite often. So that's the infamous house that's a little off the radar. Yes. Yes. We did a segment uh, on CNN about mm-hmm. that place. I remember seeing that segment and going like, I wish I knew someone who could tell me about it. <laughs> and once we go off the record, you can tell me about it. Sure. Um, so the passion's there. The knowledge is there. Let's talk about the James Beard award that you got for uh, food coverage. Um, were you surprised? Or were you like, I've put in this work, I sort of feel that everything is sort of going to this moment? Well, we felt really good about the issue from the Mm -hmm. get-go. My editor, Leslie Barger-Suter, and and uh, Mary Melton, Mm -hmm. you know, we were all very excited about this issue. And um, I would say putting it together was really, it's like, this is really interesting. No one's really done this before, Mm -hmm. quite like this. And also, tacos are... They've been having their moment, I would say, for the last couple of years, and they're continuing to have moments. So it's really the time to write this. Yeah, and I think tacos, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, are having a moment in more diversity than fried chicken and hamburgers did, which did have that when the recession sort of swung back to like a more comfort food. But tacos have such a diversity uh, and like depth of flavor and importance and culture that I think there's a more significance there when you start to really scratch the surface. Yeah, and I mean, I'd say a couple of years ago, maybe five years ago, people mm-hmm. were, for, forever, people have been trying to do, like, I'm going to do fancy tacos. I'm going to, you know, sure. uh, bring my chef. And people have been trying to do that, and they weren't really doing well. Until, like, Wes Avila came along mm-hmm. and showed everybody, like, you could use, you know, farm ingredient, you know, farm-to-table stuff, and you could use really fine uh, products and make really great tacos that still honor the, the tradition. Mm-hmm. And I think since him, everybody's starting to slowly figure that out. And everybody's getting really good. I mean, you know, even that are these are this is not Mexican, but it's really good and tasty. And they figured out how to make good tacos. So everybody's doing really great right now. You know, have you seen tacos that have gone? I mean, look, I never feel that there's a bad slice of pizza or a bad taco. But have you seen tacos that have sort of? tried to reinvent themselves and miss the mark. Oh, what I'm saying is that up till West Avila, sure. everybody was just making stupid, I mean, <laughs> things that don't really, they aren't tacos. They're just, they're just stuff on a tortilla. And no matter what you call it or what, you know, uh, filet of this, it just, it just wasn't any good. It wasn't a taco and it, it didn't come together as a dish. So what, def- what how do you define a taco then? Well, I, it, it has to have... Well, you define a taco is, uh, you know, food served in a flour or corn tortilla. Sure. That's, I mean, that, that's it. But Yes, that's the broad definition. But for you, if you look this up and say this is not a taco, even though it meets those basic requirements, what to you? A, ta- a taco is a dish, just like anything else. Sure. And it comes together, it really comes together as a stew in your mouth, you know? So, like when you have a fish taco in, mm-hmm. in Baja, they, they, you know, people get freaked out over like oh you're putting mayo it's like you have to have the mayo just like you have mayo on a sandwich mm. to help lubricate to really to bring those in- ingredients on the inside sure. into the bread it's the same thing with the taco so you put cream on it you put some salsa but if you just put a dr- uh, fish on there and salsa you're not going to get that when when you take that first bite it's not going to like fall apart into this nice stew of flavors you know no, it's not and so you need that even carne asada has to be it has to be tender but usually they they do something with the, either the salsa or the condiments or the tortilla itself to kind of pull in, or the or even the like in the north where they use flour tortillas. You know, it really comes together as a as a stew once you once you put once you take a bite. Now you recently just wrote about flour tortillas and yes. about how I mean I I've been a flour tortilla man my entire life, and I understand that that may have been looked down upon, and I felt like when I would be like I would order flour very quietly, but also spending time in Texas and Austin and things like that, like. I love flour tortillas, and you have become a recent champion. Of oh, that. no, I'm not a recent champion. I've always been. I mean, Maybe. Okay, fine. <laughs> that, 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 that's good to know. I mean, I've, I know, I mean, some of my favorite states in Mexico are Sonora, uh, Nuevo León, Chihuahua, and I, for years I've been going to these places. And see, in Mexico, this thing about flour tortillas and, and it's not a thing. Now, they might have a thing in the, in the south, like in Oaxaca or you know, Puebla, where they're saying the corn. But in Puebla, they use flour tortillas, too. Um, for their 
at the Tacos Árabes stand. They have Tacos Árabes, which is on a flour-type tortilla. It's more like pita style. And then they have Tacos um, Orientales, which they do on a, um, a fl- just a corn tortilla. They do the same Taco Árabe on a corn tortilla. And then they have this thing called Tacos de Harina, which is the Taco Árabe meat on you know, the, the, the marinated pork on a flour tortilla. Mm. So they, they use them there, too. There isn't this thing. It's really more about non-Latinos not knowing Mexican food that are always saying, oh. saying things that are wrong. <laughs> the people who get up at a half to know the least about stuff. Well, I mean, you know, you have even major writers in town that are, you know, debating, uh, saying that burritos are, are not as good as tacos. Well, burritos are actually tacos. They're tacos de harina. And in Mexico, everybody knows that. You might, again, you might have a preference or you might have a regionality thing where I'm from here. And, you know, if you're from Sonora flour tortillas are the best. Right. And they're amazing, you know. And if you're from uh, Chiapas, it's corn, you know. So, but this kind of thing of of saying that flour tortillas are not legit, it's really only coming from non-Latinos hmm. that don't know what the hell they're talking about. Right. Um, so off the James Beard Award. Yeah. Off the championship of flour tortillas, you also have your first book coming out that you announced a couple of weeks ago. That's correct. What is, I assume the subject is going to be? Well, it's, you know, prospect... Park um, pitched me. Shout out to uh, them. Colleen Dunn Bates uh, about this book, this idea she had called LA Mexicano. And the idea is no one's ever really done a, uh, a book about LA Mexican food, which honestly, somebody should have done this a long time ago. But was, it, was this one of those ideas that you're like, please don't let someone figure this out before I do? Please, please, please. Well, I, I, think, so that's, I like, think that's what she was thinking. Yeah. I mean, that's what she relayed to me is like, I want to do, do this before someone else does it. And and, you know, so I'm so honored to be doing it because I feel like this is something I've been really writing about over the past couple. I've talked about, you know, the, the regional cuisines here, also the Mexican-American and also the new chefs. I, I, I think I've been on top of all that stuff. Sure. And so doing this book is just a natural extension of what I've already been doing. I mean, I think as a publisher, you're a dream writer to come along and the champion writing the book on all the other heroes. Yeah, it's time people, I mean, really in this country, it's time people started acknowledging, I'm talking about the mainstream press, uh, acknowledging the Mexicans that are creating this food, and not just the, the traditional vendors or the, the old school Mexican, but the, the new you know, Mexican-American chefs that are pushing the, making an original cuisine, which is really what you're supposed to do as a chef. Absolutely. You, know, you are supposed to uh, bring your own thing to it and bring something original to the table. Literally, and uh, these guys are doing it, you know. And and for so long, we've been looking because people don't know about Mexican cuisine, and writers don't know about Mexican cuisine. They're focusing on people that have PR that are usually not Mexican and aren't doing as good as good of a job as the people that are creating it, you know. So, I think that that this book is really going to be a lot about that, about talking about these stories. Amazing. Well, Bill, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to a track. Which, because it's almost summertime, one of our favorite Brooklyn brand, bands, Midnight Magic, and then we're going to come back and talk about Taco Landia, which I am very, very excited about. Uh, we are coming at you from Mariscos Mariscos out in LA here on Snacky Tunes.
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are here with James Beard, award-winning writer, Bill Esparza, and also Taco Razo. Yes, the uh, world's first Taco Razo. Uh, which is? Someone who takes pictures of uh, tacos. Oh, like pop, I got it. <laughs> I, I, it was, I was reading it and I was going, is this like a, a, like a taco czar, ta- taco empresario, but Taco Razo. <laughs> Very awesome. Uh, and we are here. It's just a fun thing, of course. I, I, it's awesome. I mean, when you showed up and you... You're a man after my own heart when you're like, listen, I know we had plans to eat here, but I saw another taco place on Instagram and I had to go there first. Say no more. I understand. Well, you know, duty calls. Duty calls. Had a, had a gig. Cam around, cam around the neck. How are those tacos? Really great. And uh, th- those are going up on... Uh, Can you say who they are? Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're tacos al vapor, steamed tacos from the, the state of Jalisco. Mm. So chicharron and beans and... and uh, potatoes with chorizo. Mm. Nice, to, uh, nice wet tortillas. I may have to go run there afterwards. Yeah. I think I may have to run there afterwards. Um, so we're super excited. Coming up June 11th in Los Angeles, 4th Annual Tacolandia. Yes. Which is, for those who don't know... Tacolandia is the largest taco festival in the United States, um, with um, held by LA Weekly, and, and I am the curator... And I am bringing the best tacos in Los Angeles, and we're also bringing vendors from San Diego, Arizona, London, uh, Sacramento, and, uh, of course, two states in Mexico, Baja California, and uh, the state of Nuevo León. That's amazing. I mean, you want to talk about a scene that's grown over there, the Mexican uh, scene in London used to be non-existent. Yeah, it's actually growing. It's actually growing. And we've, we've got their top vendor coming. Which is? Bretos. Bretos, yes. I think I, I remember being there in 2003, studying abroad, and paying $29 for a mediocre burrito because I had been missing Mexican food so much. But not anymore. So it's going to be happening June 11th. And, for, and um, how did it get started? Because, you know, it sounds like, again, sort of the way your cookbook is, this amazing idea that's so obvious, the idea of getting the best taco vendors in the world in L.A., to come together is just such a, a smart play. So how did you how did you come up with the idea and how did you make it happen? Well, LA Weekly actually approached me. They had the idea to do, a, again, you know, I mean, I think that because these things are uh, coming, uh, just exploding, uh, Mexican, Latin, Latin American food, Mexican food, and tacos in, in the United States, LA Weekly decided to do a taco festival. And they called, they came up with the name Tacolandia. And they just needed somebody to put them uh, vendors on the street, so that's me. So no better than the guy who is the champion of the vendors themselves. So how do you go about picking a vendor? Like, what is it? I mean, you're going to have over 100 vendors this year. You started, I believe, with around 25, but obviously there's even more four times, five times, six times, ten times more than that in this city that you can reach out alone. How do you make the cut? Well, we're looking for people who are doing something special sure. for the most part. Now, obviously, that gets to be more complicated as, as you grow bigger. I mean, there are not many Mariscos Jaliscos and Gorilla yeah. Tacos and Carnitas al Momo in the city, you know, but there are a lot of good vendors. So looking for people that do something that, that specialize, that have something special to offer and are really or are just really committed to doing what they're doing. So that's what we're looking for for the most part. Um, let's talk about some of the vendors this year and specifically what they are serving. Um, who are you – is there anyone here that you've never had before? Or you personally oh, my gosh. Well, you know, last year we had, I think, a little over 80 vendors. Wow. And this year we're, you know, we're, up, we're over 125 right now. So I would say that there's a lot of new vendors. Um, what are you excited about? Is there anyone bring like, what is the type of taco that most people may have not experienced? That's going to be a Taco Landia. Well, I'm 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 excited for some of these new places that are doing, like I said, these they're they're kind of expanding on the different combinations of flavors and tacos. There's a place called Balam um, that's coming. Uh, 
Birria Jalisco is coming for the first time. Oh, really? And they're, they've been a fixture at the Plaza Mexico in Linwood. And I always thought they would be great. And I finally, you know, it's really hard to, to just even to track everybody down all the time. And, and I was able to, to, to catch them, catch the owner and, and, and uh, sit down and talk for a while. And, and they're joining us this year, you know. Um, Cacao Mexicatessen is always brings really interesting tacos to any event they go to. I mean, the restaurant alone is very, very interesting and unlike anything. But yeah, but they're going to bring something special. Yeah, I'm sure. and they're really part of this whole Mexican American scene that's really uh, expanding here in, in, in uh, Los Angeles. Um, and you know, and we have the full range. I'm, I'm Chrissy Vega's uh, going to be with us from Casa Vega. Wow, uh, Christy, and um, you know, I also like. Like the old school Mexican American stuff too, so we're, so we have that for the first time this year, which is really nice. Uh, there's a chef from San Diego called uh, Priscilla Curiel, um, who does really beautiful. She she I think she might make the most beautiful tacos that I've seen. What does a beautiful taco look like? Well, it looks like you know it, it could have been done by hand or not, but it looks like maybe you know some tweezers were involved. Gotcha. <laughs> some some tweezer very tweezer taco work. Yes, very precise. But just the color, she she really, I think, I think she thinks about colors when she puts her. So it's always very vibrant, you know. Doesn't taco doesn't have to be like that. I mean, look, some tacos are are various shades of white, brown, things like that. You know, when the guy is throwing it into the tortilla and it's just splattering, that's also beauty. It's a beautiful thing. It's like a pollock in a tortilla. Um, now, in addition to the food, you're also going to be having a bunch of entertainment, live music, and things like that. Yes, we have live music. You know, the thing is because. Tacos are such, uh, ha- have really touched all uh, walks in, in Los yeah. Angeles. We get everything from, you know, like college girls out with their with their uh, sorority. friends, sorority girls, like going, like, I'm going to eat 20 tacos, dude, you know. And and then you have, you know, the Mexican-American community who uh, you ha- who, who like, like the idea of drinking craft beer and tacos. So you have, you're going to have beers there. Um, I mean... You know, every Asians are there. You know, everyone's there. The, the entire, all of LA is going to be represented at this event, and everybody has one thing in common: is that they love tacos. And you're also working with the Vendi Awards, right? Yes, love those people. Absolutely. I mean, what they have done for the like street food community across the nation is is a, it's a mitzvah. Well, you know, the first year we did we did an awards the first year mm-hmm. and. Uh, a lot of events have their own self-contained awards, but to me, it's I'm thinking, you know, does this really have any meaning? Right. Um, so many of these awards that people get, they're like, you know, you're the best whatever in the world at this yeah. little, little site that has 25 followers. Within this room, you are the top taco. <laughs> so I didn't want to just, come, you know, and LA Weekly is a huge publication. Of course. But I wanted something that had a bigger, like a national reach. And so I, Vendy's... I've been talking to them about various projects over the years, and I said, "Hey, why don't you guys just come and do your Vendi Awards?" They've, they've tried to come to LA, and it hasn't. They haven't been. It's a, it's a tough market. It's a, it's there's a lot of vendors here. It's spread. I mean, it's it's just such a wide market. Yeah, and they don't live here, so it's hard for them to come fly out and know Los Angeles in a weekend or four days. Or so this is for me. This is a way for them to experience. You know, each year they're learning about new vendors that are here. Mm-hmm. But for us, it also brings a real um, awards um, that you know that has an award that has meaning to the vendors. I didn't, like I said, I didn't, didn't want to just make up an award. So we have the vendies, the LA vendies are at Tacolandia, and you know the vendors are learning about it every year. They're becoming like really concerned, like, hey, I want to get a, you know, they want to get the vendi cup. I of mean, of course, that vendi cup is awesome. They every one of them wants to hold that cup up, you know. And it's like it's. I think it's probably my favorite award because of also what they stand for and the support they give to people. More than just saying like, "Here's an award." Yeah. More, you know, here here's a trophy. It's 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 got a lot of meaning, a lot of soul behind it. Yes, and I also really love that I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> Bec- not 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 because I don't want to do it, but be- I, I felt like okay, this is an event that's you know I, I am doing with. LA right. Weekly, and I don't want to insert myself into the. No, no, no. You thing. don't want to be. You don't want to be the curator and then the, the picker of the winner. Like it's too. I, I get it. You, it, sh- it shouldn't be like that. You so, want to, It's got to be pure in some ways. Exactly. So I let the vendies. They. They. they um, I mean, I do suggest some judges that are local to help them out, and then they put the rest of the judges together, 
and then I don't even talk to those people during the day. They're doing their own thing, and I'm just tending to the vendors. And, and that you know, I think it's a lot more pure, as you say, pure. It's great and and, and more meaningful. It is. Well, Bill, I want to thank you. If people want to go to Taco Landia, where can they go? Well, they just need to go to LA Weekly, um, LA Weekly's website. And on their uh, phones, it's uh, tacolandia2016.laweekly.com. And online, it's laweekly.com forward slash tacolandia. And uh, tickets are still available. It's a lot bigger of an event this year, so we still have tickets. That's awesome. I'm going to be there. All right. I'm going to bring the wife. We're going to eat a ton of tacos. It's going to make a day of it. You have picked a good thing to do that Saturday. (laughs) Um, and if people wanted to uh, read your articles, it's Los Angeles Magazine. Yes. And if they wanted to follow you on Instagram? It's Street Gourmet LA, and it's the same on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Ooh, across the board. That's right. How's your Snap game? Pretty solid. Oh, really? Yeah. I, uh, we, my, my, my wife and I are, are going to coerce one of my friends, Jolina, to do a uh, snack chat day where we feed her snacks, and she teaches us how to use that application. But all right, well, now if I need some, like, 10-second taco stories, I know I'm going to – I know where to go. That Tacos Al Vapor place from this morning, it's on Snapchat right now. There you go. Uh, well, Bill, I cannot thank you enough. Congratulations on the book. James Beard, that is – how often have you worn that medal? I've been tempted to just kind of wear it for a month. Yeah. Believe me, I am tempted. But, no, I do, it stays at home. What was that moment like when you won? Well, you know, I wasn't able to go because I was somewhere else. And I couldn't go. I was really upset about that. And uh, so I was watching on Twitter. Huh. I was watching the James Beard uh, Foundation feed and, and just like nervously refreshing and just like, okay. And then finally when, I, when it came down and I saw it, I go, wait a minute. And I, and I had to read it again. I read it a third time. I, you didn't believe I, I, I was like, wait, is that, just, is that like mentioning us that we were nominated? Is that? No. Oh my God, we won, you know? And then just two days ago, the award arrived in the mail. Amazing. So that's oh, when, well, then you should be wearing it. I mean, that's I, when I felt it again. I can't believe you're not wearing it right now. <laughs> I would just I would just have or maybe just like out of the back pocket, you know. Um, anyway, well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We're gonna be stretching our bellies, eating tacos, uh, in preparation for Taco India. Yes, intelligent choice. Intelligent. Uh, we have a song from Lucius. Uh, another one of our favorite Brooklyn bands coming up, and you are tuned into Snacky Tunes here on Heritage Radio Network.org. <laughs>
the pages, pipping out the pages in your book. Oh, we're gonna find another way back home. Written in our blood, oh, it's written in our bones. Yeah, we'll only be bound, be bound by the things we choose. Yeah, we'll only be bound, be bound by the things we choose. Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing is a celebration of good food and beverages in the newly restored Barn Loft event venue at Nettle Meadow Farm in Thurman, New York. On Saturday, June 18th, come sample and savor, then buy your favorite cheeses and beverages to take home. Nettle Meadow cheeses have been praised highly in national media and have won prestigious awards from the American Cheese Society. Taste samples of goat and sheep cheeses paired with an array of local regional wines, beers, and ciders. You'll never forget your first sample of rich, creamy Kunick, Nettle Meadows' trademark cheese. In Esquire, our very own Ann Saxelby said, Kunick, it may very well be the sexiest cheese in the USA. Nettle Meadow Farm is a goat and sheep dairy and cheese company in Thurman, New York, just below Crane Mountain in the Adirondacks between Gore Mountain, North Creek, and Warrensburg. It's owned and operated by Lorraine Limbiase and Sheila Flanagan. Both have a great love of animals, artisan cheese, and the unique challenges of farm life. Nettle Meadow Farm was originally founded in 1990, and it's the home of over 300 goats, dozens of sheep, and a variety of farm sanctuary animals. Again, the Cheese and Spirits pairing is Saturday, June 18th. For more information and tickets, visit NettleMeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, MeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. Welcome back. We are live in studio with, huh? Did I get that right? Did I say, you know? Eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eh. Um, a lot of familiar faces around here from uh, the past years in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, you want to go around and introduce yourselves? Yeah. Um, hey, I'm Carrie Ann. Hey. Hi, I'm Tia. And I'm Molly. I mean, the previous bands that you have all played in are like the greatest hits of like. Uh, the last decade of, of the two of us for sure. Yeah. She's new to town. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Okay. What brought you to here from Detroit? I got a job at FIT. Oh. So. What are you doing at FIT? I'm a visual resources curator, which is a really fancy way of saying that I help faculty find the images and visuals that they need. That is a really good job. Yeah. So I like love you, it. you know the deep dark corners of the internet. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Like if someone needs like a walrus inspiration photo, you're like, I got you. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got it. ten. And I, got I can ten. clear the rights on it. Oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah, it'll okay. get sued. It'll be all good. Um, but between the you, the Tia and Carrie, like I mean, it's seriously like I've seen you in so many different formations. You want to like run through greatest hits. Greatest um, hits. The fugue. Love um, the fugue. I mean, you can stop right there. <laughs> greatest hit of all time. <laughs> um, pygmy shrews, cleaning. Um, those are probably those are probably like the biggest ones. Uh, I had bad credit, no credit, um, as you know, because we were in as, here. As I know, former Snacky Tunes guest. <laughs> and uh, Clapper Claw, my solo project, which is still somewhat active. Um, so how did Huh, which mm-hmm. I just want to work into as many different ways as I can, uh, <laughs> come to be? Um, well, I was a huge fan of Tia. And Tia said she wasn't in a band, and I thought that was really fucked up. <laughs> so yeah, then I remember we we just sort of we drank together a couple of times, and that was just obviously happening. Yeah, you know. Um, and then like as you kind of like want to move from drinks to actual songwriting. I mean, you, since you're already in other projects and you're in other projects, what is it that you feel like? You know, here's another way to kind of like get a voice out there. And like, what did you want to start to say with this new project? 
Hmm. That's a that's a great heavy question. question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. We had a whole bunch of like different people in the band over the past like year or two, um, and I feel like it, it started out a little bit more like jokey, like pop music, and then it became less jokey pop music. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, I remember pitching this to you, like, you know, if, if nobody is out there, like, making music, like, who's who's making our music, like, for us? Because I can't really think of anybody who's doing what, you know, I want to hear. And, like, and, hear like what was, like, the, uh, like, uh, you know, the infamous, like, um, put a piece of paper on a, a telephone pole and be like, here are our influences, if you're into these bands. Oh, that was fun. Uh, the, the first time we got together... I passed around a sheet of paper and had everybody write four bands or something. I feel like we all said Aerosmith. Am I remembering that right? <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> you are not remembering that right at all. <laughs> but Aerosmith is definitely seventy-five percent of us said Aerosmith. Uh, what were some of the other? Um, what was the other bands that were on that list? Uh, I had Dead Boys. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just saying like I'm old and I'm gonna be myself, and I think the next band I put down was like Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like, and it's like from that list. I mean, how, can you like find those influences in your music, or was that just like a starting conversation point? A bit. It, I can hear it a little bit sometimes, um, but getting Ryan, our drummer, really changed everything too. How did how did that change things? She's got a lot of emo in her. <laughs> And uh, I think it modernized us quite a lot from our dad rock influences. Yeah, emo and like marching band shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like really fun to work with. I feel like I came up with things that I never would, never would have popped into my head if she hadn't been drumming. Right. Um, can we hear a song? And just for everyone, Ryan is not here. Ryan's not here. So no Hi, percussion. Ryan. Hi, Ryan. She's um, we're unplugged, which we're kind of excited yeah. about. This is, this is so we were like, exciting. Now we're this all set happened. if MTV ever brings it back. We're good I think they are bringing it back. I think they are too. Dude, but that's I also so think, great. But I also think like, <laughs> like that type of thing never goes away. I think like in modern day we know that like nothing's ever like gone. It's just like someone's like, I think we can make money off of this now. <laughs> um, and then they just like dust it off. Um, what's the uh, first song you're going to play for us? It's called Dark. And we're going to have a video coming out um, really soon that's done by Elizabeth Weinberg. Okay. Let, let's talk about, let's talk, I mean, again, song, another right? greatest, another great yeah. hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, Eliz, what up? Um, all right, well, uh, here we go live on Snacky Tunes. <laughs>
I realize I've never heard the term mom rock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like you, dad rock, I mean, you know, but like you, like mom rock, like is that is, that's not a thing, is it? Is that like mm-hmm. the Indigo Girls? Or? I would think I'm, mom I'm, rock I'm, is like yacht rock. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I I really don't think I've ever heard the like like a that's a classic mom rock song. Oh, maybe we can do that. Yeah. Because like Indigo Girls is not that's not mom rock. Maybe like yeah, my mom would actually kill me if she. But I but I think but like (laughs) but when they but they like I mean is I mean Riot Girl, a lot of those Riot Girls are now moms. Right. So it could be that Riot Girl is just like our mom. Yeah. I mean, so it's like I mean, just just to kind of put it out there, because right. like there is like definitely some like really great uh, feel the trees vibes going on here. <laughs> uh, that like you know, it's super great to have sitting here in, in the studio. Thanks. Um, but uh, I know you say your drummer uh, modernized you away from dad rock. So like, what were the four influences that Ryan put down to bring? She wasn't there that day. Oh, she wasn't. She just was an influence. Yeah, <laughs> just just her yeah her way of playing yeah um, and uh, so you said that the video was shot with um, Eliz yeah and uh, I we weren't there it was all Eliz's idea oh really it was all her like conception and I was just like yeah that's great sure did you see the final product oh yeah oh, okay cool it's not like one of those things where you're like ooh I don't ooh oh Wish it's we'd so been there. beautiful yeah. it's so beautiful like she's such a great photographer and it's like her work. And it's just like it. <laughs> she's a man. There's someone I did not think that would continue to be woven in and out of my life. I met her when I was 18. She lived on the floor above me at BU. Oh, really? Yeah, when she was the, uh, she's going to hate this, but the Guster Webmaster. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which she will definitely hate for this. When this, when this uh, airs, she'll just be like, screw you, man. <laughs> uh, but so how is, you know, what did, you know, how was it, you know, working from, it's such an interesting thing to give control for. And I've always like kind of thought about like, Bands that are not in the videos, you know, obviously, like, they have some presence in it, but it's a lot of trust within right. within that. So, like, you know, what was the, you know, conversation or collaboration based on, um, you know, what you wanted and, you know, how you uh, kind of put the song together? Um, as the song, not the video? or Well, no, I mean, from taking from putting the song together, how that kind of, like, fed into the video that you were, like, not physically there with, like, a close-up or, you know, yeah, I mean, the band I, running around. I guess uh, we had talked, shot around the idea of, like, doing, like, a road trip video so it definitely there was an idea that there would be movement in the video that there's a journey or something um, and there's an escape um, but she changed it quite a lot and, and made it a lot better <laughs> she's like no <laughs> yeah that's Eli's all, all the way she's yeah. like uh, yeah that's been done yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's a it's a video about a, a little girl on a paper route not a little girl a teenage girl I was gonna say she just um, put her kid in it <laughs> She put a bunch of kids in it. She's just like, I've got, I've got her kid. Yeah. She's like, I've got to host the after school thing, so we're just gonna put them in. She puts video. her little boy in a wig. Yeah. yeah. Um. So as the project evolves, I mean, I know you have the, uh, an EP. It's you know what kind of you know uh, comes from that. Is it uh, touring? Is it like running more together? It's like I mean, you've you've all you've both been in such bands, and I'm guessing that you came from bands as well. Yeah. Like now that you, it's kind of like relationships, right? Like you always have like your first love and everything, and then maybe that doesn't work out, and you get older. But like as you kind of like get to older bands like do you feel like the process comes easier there's things that you learned or you know how does that kind of structure um, or approach change everyone's looking at me <laughs> <laughs> I mean you survived the fugue so like you know that's that's true yeah yeah um, I think I think this was definitely like faster and easier to just say I think at this age everybody's just more like okay here's what I would like to do and here's what I would lo- not like to do right? <laughs> yeah. it's very clear like it's like sex yeah. yeah exactly yeah when and when and what we're doing you know when we're doing stuff what we're doing and you know and why um, and I don't know I feel like I'm also just much more comfortable like letting the letting the pop flag fly <laughs> and that feels really good <laughs> um, but I mean like for like letting the pop flag fly or like or or being more open to suggestions, is it more like um, you've been ground uh, down by previous bands, or you uh, have more of an understanding, like, maybe we can just try it this way, and it's like a, a you know something new that you might not have been open to before in the past? Oh, that's, re- that's a really good way of putting it. I think, yeah, I think now it's more like, um, it's much more collaborative. I think as a young person, I don't know about anybody else here that's written music, but oh, God, I no, used to exactly. get very sentimentally attached to, like, ideas just, like, because I'd had them for a while, or because they were there. <laughs> <laughs> This and is now, my idea. Exactly. It's like, no, but I've had that since high school. It needs to be the way it is. It's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I think 
yeah, I start realizing how many decisions are arbitrary, and I'm so grateful to be in a band with other people that will make those arbitrary decisions also, because mm. I think mm-hmm. in, in the past mine haven't been collaborative because people just wait for me to tell them what to do. Oh, interesting. So it's like, it's like just like, okay, this is moving past. Yes, yes, no, 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 yes, no. Okay, now we're on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I don't know. This is beyond just like us being older and, and whatever. I think it's just a good group of people that, that mm-hmm. is not overly defensive and just really wants to make good songs. So. Yeah, and I think too, like just coming from another state uh something about new york everyone here is just very like on the ball i feel like and so i feel like we're able to get things done quickly especially because we pay by the hour for our practice fees (laughs) (laughs) so it's like we're we're gonna get it done you know and that's been really nice well i mean i've you know they always say like from constraint comes the most creativity if you have like all the resources all the time there's no tension right there's Mm -hmm. nothing to like rally or, or fight against that's one of you two also mentioned about like you know churning through some band members which maybe like when you were younger you're like oh here are the four people in the room we're going to be in a band and like right. three years later you're like I can't believe I just spent three years with that person I didn't even like them on the first day right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, uh, do you want to play another song for us sure uh, what's this one this one's called Stockholm and it features me singing in really bad French <laughs> <laughs> Damn capo. I know. <laughs> Not used to it. you can say that you do something poorly uh, before you do it. I think you have to like let people 
make their own judge. Like I would have never, I would have never thought anything. And I was like, oh, maybe that is bad. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I played the recording for one of my French friends, and he was like, uh, "You really need to enunciate." Yeah, I mean, that's like, I mean, that's like, if I were to like cook for like a three star chef, he'd be like, "You really need to learn how to cook." So it's like you're yeah, like yeah. setting yourself up for most people. That's like. Yeah, you don't need to say that. <laughs> but my justification for well, you know, I know my French friends will listen, so I have to. Oh, okay, it before. yeah. Oh, I got it. Oh, okay, well then I'm sorry. I, I I apologize on your behalf as well. We're really sorry. But I I think they should also probably apologize to me for many decades of French people singing in terrible accents. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah. I mean, everyone's at fault here. Uh, so uh, EP uh, out, and then uh, what kind of comes next? Tour? More That's writing? That's a big question, you know. Um, yeah, we, you know, I don't really understand how this business works right now. <laughs> we, we don't have, like, enough time left in the episode yeah. to talk about that. We're There's some great reading on the internet. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, we're just trying to put out music and, and see what happens. Um, and, you know, it's there. It'll, it'll be there real soon. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, that, that's vague and open. Yeah. Yeah. Much like most of my life. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but any uh, New York shows coming up or anything? The 5th of June at Sunnyvale is our EP release show. And then I'm gone all summer, so. Oh, where are you off to? France. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, I know where you can, like, get better at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, well, we want to thank you for coming on the show today. So good to run into you on the subway. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, if I could run into someone on the subway every day and they'd be like, I have a band for the show, I would like, <laughs> never have to do any work ever again. I was like really hesitant to say hi because it's like the morning. Oh, yeah. But, you know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, feel like, back. I feel like it, it can go <laughs> both ways on that. Like, right. Oh, you can read if people are just like, oh, yeah, not today. But, no, I mean, I, it's always, I always still think it's magic that in a city of all these people at a specific time, you chose the same car, even like a specific spot. So it's like, right. I, I think that's like a little bit of like New York magic that you run into people oh, yeah. on the subway. The subway churns up people and puts them in your face. It yeah. It really does. <laughs> uh, there's a, I mean, there's, I, I try to run to a friend who runs at the same time. And every time I try, I never do it but every time I don't try it's like a magical morning so thing um, so where can people find the EP reach out to you send you grammar lessons uh, <laughs> uh, we have a, a Facebook that's Hun New York H-U-H-N-E-W-Y-O-R-K um, and a band camp under that too so okay great um, well thanks for coming on uh, what are you going to take us out with this one's called Anis oh nice uh, thanks for listening we will be back next week
experiment I conduct when I want to get a drink. And I'm doing this for science. And I'm doing this for science. And I'm doing this for science. And I'm doing this for so blunt they take you by the arm and lead you to their flats then turn on the old world charm and in fly over land I was taken by a man who loved me in a barn and I thanked my lucky star Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.